Welcome to the FPL Blues Podcast. Brian and Bucks recording after a drama-filled derby double game week. This was a crazy extended fixture list in the FPL game. There were some triple-digit scores. There were some really disappointing doink scores. And uh, Brian and I both, we ended up relatively okay after a really action-packed double game week. Brian, how you doing, baby? Feels good to be back here behind the mic, Bucks, to discuss a somewhat disappointing double game week. I think we're still waiting for these massive, massive scores in the, you know, like 120s or higher. So this one, just like the one previously with Chelsea and Fulham, was a little bit of a dud because the high-owned players didn't really deliver. It was the fringe players on these teams that we'll discuss that really did the business. So if you had one of these differentials, you might have been flying this game week. Ain't that the truth. And there were tons of triple digit scores. Unfortunately, your two lovable co-hosts did not register a triple digit score themselves. We both took hits. Brian, unfortunately, you're still in second place in the podcast, in the podcaster rankings. Uh, Tell the listeners how you scored in double game week 20. I ended up on 69. Very nice. Very nice. 69 all out after a four point hit. This was an interesting game week for me. I did try and go a little bit differential, and I brought in Rodrigo into my team for a little Friday fixture fun, and unfortunately just missed an offside goal from him. So it was really between Rodrigo and Odegaard, and we all know how that ended up. Odegaard continues his phenomenal form. So that was another one of these 50-50 calls that just aren't going my way this season, and that's why I'm about 1 million overall rank. So pretty pathetic. And I need to continue to be brave in my choices and seeing a lot of teams this week with Mares or Bruno Fernandez. That's the type of move that really helps you move up the ranks if you can hit one of those. So hats off to those folks. Um, my other kind of calls, the Darwin thing was so annoying at the end of last game week. So I ended up hitting him out. I brought in Kane. Kane had seven points. So he looked good too. I thought he could have easily gotten a, a double return in the second half versus Arsenal. And then he gets a cheeky assist here today versus the likes of Manchester City. Holland capped for 16. And then in my back line, part of my hit meant bringing in Shaw. Four points, pretty lackluster. I, again, was more of a sheep. I almost went with Martinez instead just to save the 0.5 uh, or 0.6 million. But anyway, he's good to go. And hopefully United will have an upcoming double game week. The biggest elephant in the room is this mother bleeper, Mitrovic who ends up with a zero-pointer in my side. I could not believe this, Bucks. I, I was not actually watching the Fulham game, and so when I hear all of these chats going off and he misses the pen, he put it in the back of the net, but he is such a donkey and kicked his own foot and uh, just ends up with zero points, whereas people like you got points from your strike force. So anyway, 69, keep it moving. Got to be brave, though. I'm I'm going to be taking a lot more hits in the rest of the season, so it could be turning into a hit of Palooza. How'd you do, Bucks? Brian, to say the least, you were on a oh to god damn it score this game week because you were fifty fifty away from uh, a big haul, and they just went against you another game week. For yeah, me, I mean, it, it is it is what it is. I dropped only seven hundred and twenty four spots, so basically a gray dot, but still, I think that's five red arrows since uh, the world cup returned for me in a row. So we got to turn that shit upside down. Yeah. I went bucks wild uh, following last podcast where I said I might consider rolling my transfer. Uh, A lot changed in the game week. There was reports that Tony was going to be confirmed. He was actually the first player I can ever remember in FPL that was nailed to start and be fully fit the day before the match even happened in the press conference. Thomas Frank said he was for sure starting. He was the first name in the 11. Love to see that. So I took a minus eight. I got a little wacky and wild, and it ended up paying off in a big way. I end up on 75 points all out, 83 with a minus eight hit. The big swing came good. My four moves net me an additional 24 points. 24 points from the players I brought in versus only two from the players that I transferred out. So with that minus eight, obviously that's math. I had a 
Holland regular cap for 16 points and very fortunate that he did not go even bigger with the way he was playing and the chances he was getting against Spurs. Tony, nine points was huge. And I brought in Botman for Cancelo, uh, who got six points versus one point. So I'll take those mini victories all up and down the pitch wherever I can get them. And I get a nice, healthy green arrow, even though I only had three goals and two assists in my FPL squad. So uh, relatively lackluster, but you take you take the climb any way you can get it. Yeah, and most importantly, you are very well set up for this weekend. Like you hit in players like Tony, who is going to be very popular this week as a transfer in. You already have double Newcastle defense, which is becoming more and more of the meta in the FPL community. So you're ahead of the curve there. So those hits not only delivered in game week 20, but now you're set up beautifully for game week 21 and can hopefully, like me, roll our transfers because there should be double game week 22 news on the horizon. So nicely done, Bucks. Nicely done. Absolutely. And let's let's continue to hope that the podcasters that you love so much are singing more of the hallelujahs and less of the blues on episodes to come. Let's take a quick break. We'll recap the double game week performances when we come back. Double game week 20 recap coming at you. Let's start with the Manchester Derby. Wow. City lose two to one at the feet of the Red Devils. What kind of seance was said by ETH in order to come back from behind down one zero to get these two goals, Bucks? Or was it just a seance for the VAR and referee? Oh, yeah, I think it was uh, some United VAR spell games that they were playing. Bruno was definitely in the referee's ear. Grealish puts the citizens ahead only for Bruno and Rashford to combine for one of the most bizarre and very obviously, I think anyone who's played the sport of footy soccer, that was very much an offsides play. I mean, I was watching, I was like, that has to be offsides because Rashford was standing over it, guiding the ball. He might not have touched it, but he was definitely impacting the play all the way up to Bruno's feet, where he then strikes it into the back of the net. Ederson had no idea who was going to touch the ball, let alone who was playing the ball. So I think that was very much a offsides goal. I totally agree with you there, man. Like the defenders are playing the ball as if Rashford is going to kick it, right? And he's in an offside position. Ederson is in a different position because he's playing as if Rashford would have taken that shot and then Bruno just swoops in there and puts in the goal. So that was very controversial. I was um I was very surprised. I, I don't understand what the fuck is the point with VAR. Like I it sometimes they they take things and they look at it. Other times they don't. I, I, it's very puzzling to me on, on their success rate, especially being a fan and trying to eke out as many FPL points as we can. Totally. And, you know, if it was reversed, Bruno would have been absolutely losing his mind in the face of the ref because he was basically going crazy trying to convince the ref that it was not offside. So imagine if the roles were reversed and it was KDB who gets that ball in from Holland kind of, uh, shepherding it uh, 20 yards up the pitch with United defenders kind of confusedly looking on. Uh, you just know that United would have gotten red cards and Old Trafford would have been a mob scene. So uh, I think based on that, I felt and watching it with my two eyes that that was pretty clearly offsides. But Rashford, he's on the hottest of hot streaks right now. He has seven goals in the last seven games. He is on absolute fuego, and he's the first player since Cristiano Ronaldo to put together that streak of performances while wearing the United jersey. I like it. I like it. I was not aware of that. I mean, Rashford is really, he's essential at his price. He's so cheap. He's going to play at least 80 minutes per match, and in his form, his confidence is back. He is put everything behind him. The season of the Euros and then, you know, all the controversy with CR7, a.k.a. TR7, Toxic Ronaldo. He's out of there. And this is the team that we thought 
Bruno and Rashford could really shepherd into the next uh, five years. And they seem like they're back and their form is definitely increased in a big way. So just to double click on Bruno, he ends up with 19 points in the double game week, two goals and five bonus points. He was one of the top scorers in the game week, and he's owned by less than 5% of the FPL game. He was a major differential who really came good in double game week 20. Yeah, and he's somebody that if he can really start taking a few more shots per game is somebody that you will definitely have at the top of your watch list for double game week 22, if that does come to fruition. We're going to cover all those scenarios in a little bit, but he's somebody that's firmly on the watch list at an awkward price point for sure, but we could see a lot of shifting around of maybe money out of the striker spot and definitely money out of defense. We're going to get all the cheap defenders in, just try and get some six-point <laughs> cleans and keep it moving, right? Yeah, RIP the plastic surgeons for the butt uh, injections because uh, big at the back seems to be dead this season of FPL. Way too many attacking players on all these teams just mopping up. The only players you want are Newcastle defenders. Newcastle defensive triple up. That's you're gonna see that in in the community. It's crazy. Um, like we have the likes Preach. of. I mean, this Manchester City team. You know, everyone had the Cancelo problem. It was a pain in the ass. He plays in one match, gets one point, and after that, Rico Lewis. It maybe took a punt on him. Ake. All their defenders end up with zero, one, or two points. Just an absolute shit show if you're playing pep roulette. So get the money out of the back and put it towards your your midfield is where I'd focus on. Yeah, and that's a good preview of our floppers because none of the double game week defenders outside of Emerson Royal even registered a single return, let alone a clean sheet. So City went one for one. They had one win and one loss. United went one win and one draw in a very frustrating manner uh, to that draw against Palace in extra time. And then Spurs also dropped both of their matches 0 for 2. And Palace, they they can't buy a result right now. So just a lot of checkered results this double game week. And that led to, as we mentioned in the opener, some disappointing double game week results. And I think so far the double game weeks have been a bit of a drag uh, this FPL season. Yeah, but we still have to use our transfers and try and take punts and bring in those players. You know, what I wanted to ask you, Bucks, is for those lads or ladies who triple captain Holland, would you be happy with the 24 points? Like, where, where do you net out there? No, I wouldn't because... Watching that Spurs game today, it was extremely frustrating, and I was panicking that he was going to get at least one more return. I think there was a real shout that Richarlison had a handball where his hand was totally away from his body in an unnatural position uh, when he was defending a cross in the box. I think that should have been given as a penalty, and likely Holland would take it because it was prior to Mares being on a brace, so the penalty wouldn't have been for him to take a Hattie opportunity. And then beyond that, he had a number of really class chances in the first half. So Holland might be slowing down a little bit, but he's still scoring goals at an unreal clip. And he's clearly the best goal scorer in the Premier League right now. So I think we were very fortunate that he didn't go even bigger with at least a double digit return for the triple captainers. Yeah, I think uh, we'll discuss when else you could use your triple captain. But since they lost and you know, only got four points out of these, sorry, three points out of these last two, really hoping that he will start and play in both the matches in double game with 23. So we'll discuss that a little bit later, but he's still top option. I think at some point you're going to probably triple captain him. You're, you could be brave and triple captain somebody else, but you're going to be going against the field where everybody else is just captaining him. And so I just think it makes the most sense to use the chip on him um, at some point this season. Really? Okay, we should just dive into this here now because we've just touched on it and we both gave our takes. I'm actually leaning the opposite way. I think the move might be that the way things are shaking out, that United might end up with the better double game weeks than Man City. And I think that Rashford or Bruno, based on the current form that United are in and the way that both them are playing with utmost confidence and great recent track record of form and returns, I think both of them could pip Holland as being the top triple captain scorer this season. I just want to put that out into the universe. Double game week 22 is looking appealing. There's potential for future double game weeks. 
of Palace and Leeds maybe for United, both at Ooh. home at Old Trafford. I mean, yum, yum. That screams a potential double-digit haul, potentially in both games. So I think from my eyes are starting to get a little glazed over with the Holland perma-captain. And I think that since we're both not at ranks that we're thrilled about, I think it's time to get a little creative, a little gutsy with some of these chip usage. And I think that swerving Holland for the triple captain, yes, in the odd game week, it might not turn out if you're going to do a different captain every game week and go against Holland. He's the top FPL point scorer for a reason, but he is slowing down and Pep Roulette is really picking up. So I just feel like there's more certainty with some assets at other teams. Yeah, I can't argue with the Rashford shout, especially if he could take pens in a cupcake double game week. He's a good option. I really like Harry Kane. I think he's the other player just because of his consistency so far this season. Even though Spurs are very up and down, he's looked excellent. One more name I just want to make sure to throw in is Kieran Trippier. I think he's going massively under the radar as a potential future triple captain option. He's getting about eight and a half points per start right now. I mean, when he starts and Newcastle get a clean sheet, I mean, he committed a penalty giveaway against Mitrovic, and he still got full bonus and the clean sheet for nine points. So he's pretty much nailed on getting max bonus when Newcastle clean. So I think that if they have a double game week and you're really looking to swerve the herd, then he could be a great shout. 18 times three is a big number. I mean, I'm I'm not good at math, but I know that's a number much bigger than 24, which is <laughs> what Holland got. Yeah, 54. so I mean, you'd be... <laughs> You'd be 30 points in the clear if you were bold to back a call like that versus the triple captain of Holland in double game week 20. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people captain Mo Salah was that last season or the season before and got 84 whopping points. So we're hoping to get anywhere above 36. I think that's like a good triple captain score if you can get over 36 points. The thing with captaining or triple captaining a defender is, you know, crazy deflected goal. They, they happen all the time. And just like that, you're all of a sudden down to two points. You know, if they do clean in which Newcastle leads the league in, he shits bonus points. It's crazy. Um, so I do see your point there. And his return log is, is nuts. I'm looking at right now since game week 14, 11, 12, 7, 12, 8, 8, 9. That's insane. And that is definitely worthy of our captaincy notes for upcoming game weeks. We should mention Brighton just absolutely blew the doors off of Liverpool and run Riot 3-0. This was a masterclass for budget midfield options. Solly March has a 19-point performance in a single game week. He has two goals, one assist, clean sheet, and three bonus. He is looking like one of the best budget options. He's 5.1 million right now. But Brighton, they have great fixtures. But we'll talk about them in a little. They're one team we need to spotlight because they will have a number of blank game weeks before they get into a crush of double game weeks later in the season. So he's definitely firmly on our watch list and someone we'll talk about later in the episode. Yeah, absolutely. And somebody right up there just from the eye test at Brighton, Matoma, he looks like their best player, which is crazy to say. And we've just seen Leandro Trossard sign for 27 million pounds at Arsenal to give them some depth. So uh, very interesting times ahead. And even this Ferguson kid, he keeps getting minutes and keeps getting returns. And he's somebody that will definitely be an enabler if you were to move out one of your either heavy hitting forwards like a Kane or a Tony or a Mitro and downgrading him to Ferguson as your enabler there. Yeah, I really rate that shout. No drama in the North London Derby. First time in a while. Arsenal just take care of business against Spurs away at the new White Hart Lane. There was, you know, it was really raucous at opening whistle. By halftime, it was almost like a ghost town. Uh, Their fans were not into it. They knew this game was killed off. 2-0 Arsenal. I think Ramsdale had an awesome performance in goal. He stopped a number of Kane chances that were just off making it a contest. But He was man really, of the match for sure in yeah, that one. But I, I think Odegaard really sparkled. Saka really sparkled. And Arsenal are just continuing to handle their business in a really professional and consistent manner. And that's why they're top of the table. And that's why, as you referenced just now, they made another masterclass signing, bringing in Trossard for 
I think a really great fee, 27 million if he hits all the bonuses. Uh, 28 years old, proven Premier League goal scorer. And I think he's going to be great reinforcements for them as they look to make a deep run towards the Premier League title. And continue their competitions in other cup action, right? So they're still in Europe. So that'll help to give the guys like Saka and Martinelli a rest. And also, I think, you know, if if something were to happen to Enketia, it just provides them a little bit more experience. We could probably see Trossard or Martinelli as a false nine and then one of the other lads slotting in there. So it's a good signing because it's cheap. 27 million is nothing when you see Chelsea spending 100 million uh, mutters over here. So um, that that's a, that's a topic I for bet. another another day, though. Obviously, don't Bucks. trigger me, Brian. I'm ha- I'm on a green arrow. Let's keep it moving. Home <laughs> teams, home teams in this double game week really ruled the day. The only two teams in the twelve matches that dropped points, Everton and Spurs. We should talk about both these. Everton in a huge problematic scenario. Their fans are riding against the board. The board is warned to not even attend the stadium because of safety concerns. Everything is going wrong there. To believe that Chelsea almost gave them $50 million for... Who's that guy? He doesn't even play anymore. Oh, my he goodness. He's, oh. he's been benched for so many games in a row. Gordon. Oh, yeah. Anthony Gordon. What a shit. Uh, that guy sucks. I'm glad we did not splash the cash for him. And then Spurs, Oof. 0 for 2 in the double game week. And they really looked like they had some promising attempts to right the ship away at the Etihad up 2-0 going into halftime. And then they just got the shit punched out of them by Man City. In the first 15 minutes, they went from being up 0-2 to two to down 3-2. to two, And it all happened like a whirlwind. And they never looked back. Uh, they're just in real trouble right now. And I think the Spurs fans are growing very sick of Conte. And as well as the board, they just need to see something happen there for them to even feel anything. When my guy Mares just comes on the pitch and absolutely turns the game upside down on its head, you can't do anything. Perisic was left his jockstrap on the ground in multiple moves. I couldn't believe the kind of complete change in play that Mares had in the first half where he got a yellow card to the second half. So Spurs are complete stay away other than Kane. And he continues to trickle on, gets five points in that match and seven points, which is... Only one less than Holland this game week. So definitely will be keeping Kane for the considerable future. And I think all of their players probably avoidable unless we see Kulu step up a little bit. He's one of those players at that 8 million price bracket. Like if you didn't have Kane and you could easily get to Kulu, I wouldn't be interested in that. But everything else at Spurs is a complete stay away. Great call on Kulu. 11-point performance today. Very close to going even bigger uh, with Perisic putting it off the bar and then off the post on what really should have been an open goal. And I think he's a real player. If you had Foden, he would be very tempting. If you already had triple arsenal and were looking to sell off Foden, Kulu could be the man for that spot. I can't believe just Foden. Oh, my goodness. One pointer for Anybody who held him. I mean, I went into my game week 17 World Cup wildcard with like, okay, Foden's going to be my differential. I think he has four or five straight one point FPL performances. And oof, that that's uh, that could have been Mares instead in many teams. And that would have been a completely different, um, you know, rank rise. Whoa, are we like turning into pros or something? Great transition, Brian. Speaking of Riyad Mares, he ends the tie. At the top, the three-way tie for top point scorers in double game week 20, 19 points, two goals, one assist, and three bonus. And he does it all against Spurs with a true masterclass performance after ghosting the derby match. Honorable mention, let's just throw in James Ward-Prowse. He gets 15 points, two goals, and three bonus. JWP is more of an exceptional talent on spot kicks and dead ball situations than he is an FPL asset because his points are so unpredictable. But if you predicted that he was going to haul against Everton, bravo to you because he really smashed it. And this was one of those opportunities where he's going to feast on some FPL points. Yeah, he's a player you don't like to own because he's usually not very explosive, but he does have three goals in four matches since the break. So 
he seems to be playing a little bit more advanced for Southampton, but it would be hard to watch a lot of Southampton football and just pray that he gets uh, these free kicks or uh, spot kicks to get his FPL points. And let's just touch on one additional flopper, and that's Mitro. Brian, you mentioned him in your game week recap. He gets a zero pointer. He's playing away at St. Mary's against his former team, Newcastle. He gets the penalty kick. He steps up to be the potential hero on what was a relatively soft penalty. And he puts it into the back of the net only on replay to see that he kicked it off his standing leg, meaning <laughs> it's a missed penalty. It's a no goal. Oh my Donkey move, zero pointer. And he goes from nine points to zero points in the blink of an eye. Absolutely brutal. And for Fulham, who have been having such a dream season, this is a real gut check, I think, because I think they were the better team for most of this game. So the fact that they leave St. Mary's with zero points with Mitro in such a dumpster, uh, really, really painful result. St. Mary's. I thought they were playing your double defense at Newcastle. Ah, you're right. You're right. Ah, whatever. Keep it in. Yeah. Well, with that being said, you know, Mitro's got Tottenham this upcoming game week at home. I'm just going to hold him like, you know, he should still get opportunities. And after seeing Tottenham give up a lot of goals over their last couple, I think they're susceptible in the air as well. So I guess I'll just hold on to him and hope that he stays on pens. There's a real chance that the 4.6 darling Andres Pereira may take pens from here on out. I think he's four for four in his career so far for uh, Fulham or something, but there's some chatter about that, which would make him even uh, more interesting at that budget price. I don't, I don't see that. Mitro is their all-star. He's their everything. And when he has a frustrating performance like this, Fulham are expected to drop points. And that's what happened. Disappointing result in isolation, but he's been exceptional for them this whole season. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll look ahead to game week 21. Game week 21, we're back to our normal schedule. We will have some interesting matches, and that really starts with Brighton at Leicester. Brighton firing on all cylinders. Deserby, DeMaster, he's has his squad in a really good spot. What do you think is going to happen here with Leicester? Without James Madison, whenever they play, they stink. And I think he's he's the one who keeps them in line and keeps them focused and gives them that fiery edge. And without him, they have looked like dog shit. This is the no defense match of the game week for sure. I expect Brighton to crush Leicester just like they crushed Liverpool 3-0. Yeah, I'm actually thinking about starting Lewis Dunk this game week over the likes of Shaw, who plays away at Arsenal and the Emirates. I rate that. Newcastle traveled to Palace. Palace are one of the most bipolar teams in the Premier League. They have crazy talent in their youth and on their wings, but they can't seem to pull it all together for a complete match, or at least we haven't seen it in over a month's time. Who you got? Newcastle, Palace, what are you taking? I would love to have double defense if you are a owner of Botman, Trips, Pope, even Dan Byrne getting some love, Shar. This is an easy clean sheet back Newcastle all day to win this one two to zero. Oh, great call. Great minds. I also thought two zero last game in the matches to target for FPL returns. And that is wolves traveling to Etihad to play man city. We'll hopefully hear more information on KDB. I think him and Salah have been very underwhelming as of late. So hopefully I don't know if you saw anything post-game today, Bucks, about KDB status. There were some rumblings on Twitter yesterday that he wasn't pictured in training. So I would assume that he'd be fine to start. But they do play in you know two and a half days here. So it'll be interesting to see if he's back in the squad. But you would expect City to keep it rolling. It doesn't matter who's in there. They're going to keep getting results. But who starts? I have no freaking idea other than Holland starting up top and most likely KDB. Those are the only two players that I'd feel comfortable owning at this point. And that's crazy because I love having a triple up on city, but with their defense looking very shaky and just a clear clown car of rotating center backs and, 
and fullbacks is just a complete stay away from a defensive point of view. And they're letting in about two goals a game right now. So it's not great. I think it's going to be three zero to city. I heard that KDB was out for personal reasons, but he was back in training the next day. He was on the bench. And I think the fact that he didn't come into this game uh, once they had it all under control against Spurs is a good indication that he should start and get a full run out against Wolves. Honestly, it's probably the better fixture from an FPL perspective, but we can get greedy as FPL managers wanting all the points all the time. So uh, I'm happy with just Holland and KDB, and I think City continued to get a result. And you have to remember, Wolves were the ones who got absolutely thrashed for KDB's epic four-goal performance last season. So I would love to see KDB get another goal uh, he hasn't scored many of this season with Holland, obviously being the focus and him kind of drifting back a bit further. He only has three goals on the season. So maybe he could tap one in against wolves. I would love that as well. Uh, 84 for Salah last season, 66 for KDB. If you're keeping track and you're a veteran FPL manager, let's move on to the pure watches in game week 21, starting with Chelsea at Liverpool, the blues. Hey, we finally got our first win in, what, 10 matches? And and we might be favored, even though we're away at Anfield against Liverpool. Talk about two teams in an absolute rock fight right now. Both these teams are in a pig slop with their current performances. <laughs> and with City dropping points, with Spurs sputtering, you'd expect Chelsea and Liverpool to be hovering around that top four, waiting to pounce. And they're just, you keep looking down the table, waiting to see either of their names. And you got to keep looking because they're seventh and 10th, respectfully. Not great. I have no idea what's going to happen this match. The injuries up front for Liverpool have been a huge concern. And same thing goes for Chelsea. But you're just so used to seeing the front three feature the likes of Jota or Firmino. Um, Darwin was out with his knock. I don't know if he's going to be back uh, for this match versus Chelsea. So it's really tough right now. I mean, no offense to Ox, but that guy ain't it. You know, nobody's really helping out Salah. He looks less attacking. So there could be goals in that match or there could be 0-0. Like I, I have no really good pulse on either of these two teams at the moment. So I'm happy to awkwardly own none of the Liverpool team at the moment, which that's that's a first time in at least three or four seasons that he we haven't had um, players in our sides from at least a double up from Liverpool. Yeah, Darwin reported to be back in training and is expected to be fit for this contest. But like you said, Brian, I also have no idea what to expect. I could see this being 1-1. Um, that's what my heart wants. But I think my head is telling me Liverpool will get it 2-1. I don't think Chelsea have enough goals in them. And I'm expecting Mudrich is going to get his first start at Chelsea with all the injuries and us just needing warm bodies. So it'll be great to see him. But this is definition of hostile territory to make your debut. So I think Liverpool have just enough 2-1 to the Reds. Moving on, Brentford go to Leeds. Brentford have been another goal fast baby. Let's go. Yeah, Brentford have actually been very solid from a defensive perspective as well. Somebody who's caught my eye is Ben Mee, who's obviously been at Burnley for many, many moons. He's actually been in the points and in the bonus points lately if you're looking for a cheap defender that's not from Newcastle. But Leeds, yeah, we actually saw Bamford come back, and he's kind of scored a couple of goals lately. He scored a goal in his last match and then in the – I don't know if it was the one of the cup matches uh, versus Cardiff. He had two goals and came on as a substitute. So Leeds really need him to come back into the fold to give them a steady striker and somebody who's going to definitely help the rest of the team. So I wish Bam Bam was back in our FPL thoughts. But for now, it's Tony and it's Rodrigo at the moment for these two teams. Oh, and Gnonto. Don't uh, don't hate on Gnonto. He's uh, he's an Italian stallion right now, uh, even <laughs> though he's only like five foot six. I think this is three two to Brentford. Uh, the away team gets it in this match. I think Tony gets a brace. And that's both my FPL heart as well as the eye test is what I'm expecting in this match. But I think this could actually be the most fun game of the weekend. With that, let's get to the heavyweight battle. Man United at Arsenal, the match of the game week by far. What do you got? 
I can't wait for this matchup, Bucks. Arsenal catch a huge break with Casemiro getting a late yellow card. So he will miss this matchup versus Arsenal. And the way that their midfield is playing with the likes of Partey and obviously Odegaard, that's going to be a huge miss. So we'll see if the McSauce-McFred combo can come back and hopefully control a little bit of the midfield there. But I'm going to have to go two to zero Arsenal with another W. Wow, two zero. That is a bold call. I think two one. I think it's a tight game. And I think at some point United are going to start chasing the result. So I think the fact that it's home for Arsenal is a big wedge. But United did kind of blow the doors off Arsenal earlier in the season, pre-Casemiro and without party on the team. So I just think that now it's a full strength Arsenal team going up against a slightly hampered United team, though they are much more in form. So I just tap that Arsenal Arsenal look like they're class of the league right now, and I don't expect that to be slowing down anytime soon. All righty, Bucks, let's give the listeners a quick preview of some of the recent news that we've received about upcoming double game weeks and blank game weeks. So take it away here. What do you got for us? Okay, so I've been studying up and reading a lot of Ben Krellen tweets over the last 48 hours, and here's what I have to share before we dive into our watch list. First and foremost, Brighton. They're a team we have to have under the spotlight because their players are scoring a lot of goals and they're easy to fit in from an FPL price perspective. However, they are a team that is very likely to have a blank game week in game week 25 due to their competitors, potentially Newcastle, playing in the FA Cup semifinal. Additionally, because they are not in any European competition later in the season, they have a lot of open midweek fixture opportunities to have rescheduled. So what that means is they are most likely to have the highest amount of possible blank game weeks of any of the Premier League teams. So they're likely to have a blank game week in game week 25, and then again in 28, and then even again in game week 29. So that's just a reason to potentially use caution if you're making a transfer to bring in one of their midfield options or even a budget forward option like Ferguson right now in the season before we even have a confirmed double game week 22. Now, it's important to reference that because they'll have so many blank game weeks in the nearer term, once we get to the stretch run of the season, they're going to be double game week dandies because they are likely to have three, if not four, double game week rescheduled. Uh, so just something to note with Brighton, I think that's putting me off bringing in one of their midfield options before game week 21. However, I didn't have that same caution when bringing in a Newcastle defender who are also likely to blank in 25. So I think it's just personal preference, risk reward. They are very easy to get in. They're also pretty easy to transfer out, but it's just a choice about how you use your transfers. I think the other important thing to note here, Bucks, is they're cheap as all get out. Like even bringing in a 5.1 million pound player like Matoma, you know, if, if he blanks one game week, you just hide him on your bench. It's not like you're hiding an 8 million pound slot. So if you really believe in what you've seen from the eye test with Deserby and this Brighton team, I think you navigate the blanks because they are so cheap. You know, if you're playing like 7 million for Trossard, then, you know, you'd probably don't want to be moving him in and out or hiding him on your bench. But when these guys are so cheap, I think it's, um, you know, that's a, a, a situation where players who have moved early on Brighton are definitely in a good spot because they've already got those points in the hand and now it's all bush upside. Yeesh, that was a rough reference. I didn't know where you were going there. <laughs> uh, also regarding double game week 22, it is very likely and it seems more or less certain, but we don't have it fully confirmed as of yet. Right now, we just know that Arsenal and Man City for double game week 23. So there are reports about United, Leeds, and a number of other teams having double game weeks in 22, including Chelsea and Liverpool, perhaps. But none of that is confirmed as of yet. So we're hoping we're going to get that news tomorrow, Friday morning, January 20th, or at least right after the FPL deadline passes, which will be incredibly frustrating. But expect that news to come in the next 48 to 72 hours. Before we get into our watch list, 
I really think it's important to try and roll your transfer this week in game week 21 if you can, because there will be likely doubles. And the Carabao Cup semifinal results will give us clarity on the blank game week 25. And then the FA Cup results will actually help us calculate the probabilities for game week 28, which will also be a blank for many teams. So if you can roll your transfer this week, would highly recommend that. And you should have some decent options off the bench if you have any yellow flags to deal with this game week. Amen. Well said. All right, let's get into the watch list. It's a little busy, but they're in no particular order. So I think we just run through them and we can maybe give a one sentence summary on why they're on our list, starting with the God himself. Oh, to God. I'm still kicking myself for not going with him. Like I said, I was going to in our game week 17 wildcard preview. I just stuck with um, with Martinelli sheep move. Instead, I could have gotten the, the shepherd himself, Odegaard, who is just cleaning up bonus points. He's basically what KDB was when he had a 10 goal season a few seasons ago. And he's on bonus points whenever he gets an assist. This is, I think, just any assets on Arsenal. Try and get them in your squad because next year they're all going to be eight to 10 million pounds um, for the game. So if you want to get a cheap guy in who's at the top of the table, Odegaard's your man. Yeah. He's 6.8 million sub 30% owned. He has four returns in his last five matches, including three double digit hauls. So I think he's a must prioritize transfer move, especially ahead of Arsenal's double game week, 23 fixtures. Yeah. Ideally you're going to roll your transfer and keep an eye on who doubles in double game week 22 and still have three Arsenal assets for double game week 23 because we have seen, although although City is usually a juggernaut, we've seen them give up a lot of goals. So there's no reason why any of the three attacking midfielders for Arsenal don't score when they play um, City. Agreed. Keeping it moving, Matoma, he's a player we referenced earlier, 5 million Sub 2% owned. He might be more nailed now with Trossard leaving, but I don't think he's really shown the same explosive upside that his teammate has, Solly March, who we're going to talk about in a moment. I think really Matoma is a bet on the eye test. He's a player you watch. He completes a crazy amount of dribble take-ons. He's already second highest in the league in that category with eight successful dribble take-ons tied with, want to guess? Riyad Mahrez. Mo Salah, close. (laughs) Anyway, so, you know, to be a young player, freshman year in the FPL in the Premier League, and to be in the same conversation as Mo Salah, one of the FPL kings and one of the true titans of the Premier League for the last handful of seasons, that's, uh, you're doing some good work there. So I think Matoma really smashes the eye test. His only challenge is he's 5 million and Solly March is only 5.1 million. And he's also a huge differential, sub 5% owned. And whereas Matoma is getting returns, maybe on a more consistent basis, six, seven, eight points. Solly March has 44 points since the restart. He's the highest scoring midfielder since the restart. He's smashing it. He has three double digit hauls, top three for shots, top three for shots in the box since we came back from the World Cup. Yeah, crazy. I mean, he went basically, yeah, we went 16 game weeks without scoring a goal and now has four goals in his last four matches after the world cup wild card. So is it a flash in the pan? Is he just on a huge vein, um, a hot streak? Is he a little bit of a Almiron type of guy who we see just rattle off these huge double digit hauls? It's hard to say. I think I would probably be going with the eye test and going with Matoma because I don't think Sally March in all his years in the Premier League has really shown a huge propensity to deliver an FPL, but these guys are so cheap. You can take a gamble at either one of them and just hope that the other fails. That's pretty much the call that you're making since they're the same exact price. Yeah, I like that shout. It's uh, betting on one, dog in the other. Keeping it moving, Nyanto, 5 million sub 1% owned. He has one Is this goal guy really Italian? You called him the Italian Stallion before. I didn't know he was he Italian. He is. He's Italian. I, I had to look him up. He's uh, 19 years old, Leeds winger. And right now, he's established himself alongside Rodrigo as the first two names 
in their outfield. He's been absolutely magisterial to watch a goal and one assist in the Premier League so far, but he also had a wonder goal in their cup match. And I just think he looks like a real player. He plays with great confidence. He loves dribbling inside the box. I think there are points abound for Gnanto later in the season. I, I'm a little scared off. I don't want to be the first mover to bring him into my FPL team. I think I'd rather have a Brighton midfielder at this point, but he's looking juicy as a differential. Brentford at home this weekend, and then at 22, they have NFO. Pretty good back-to-back game weeks there. And then in game week 23, they will play Manchester United. So right now I'm on Rodrigo for that two-week punt, but I couldn't blame anybody else for going for a Leeds player this week as well. I think there is a chance that they actually double in 23. And so that's what you would be hoping for, that if you brought somebody in like a um, Leeds player, that they'll double in 23. Yeah, good call. Next up, next up, let's talk about the guy that you've trashed so many times on this pod, Bucks. No respect for one Bruno Fernandez. He is the stellar player from this game week, the double game week. 9.8 million, only 5% owned, which is shocking. He's just at the most awkward price point in the game at that kind of weird level where there's just like Sterling at 10 million and then Bruno at 10 million, nobody else in that bracket. How do you get to him? Do you prioritize getting him in, especially if they're going to double in game week 23? In game well, week 22. If he has the double in 22, I think it makes a lot of sense to potentially flip-flop him and KDB in 22 and 23. So I have KDB right now, and I wish I had Bruno, honestly, for the way that he played in this double game week because he was the player I expected KDB to to be, and I shifted and made all these moves to make sure I could fit in KDB, whereas I could have probably saved myself a hit if I just went with Bruno instead. But like you said, he's not a player that flatters the way that I like to play the game, but he's taking more shots with the departure of Ronaldo, and he's really making this team his own alongside Rashford. I think together they have really solidified that Man United together with Casemiro and ETH, the four of those players, that's their identity. They play really fast pace, really ambitious style of football. And you can just see Bruno is making some audacious and incredible passes in the course of these games. He has the, the blinders are fully off and he doesn't care what anyone says. He's playing fun football right now. So I love what he's doing. And so from an FPL perspective, I'm thinking of rolling my transfer and I could really rate moving KDB down to Bruno and then hokey coking right back after United's double game week. Normally I don't recommend a strategy like this, but it grabs you two extra fixtures and with Bruno in massive form and KDB really not. I mean, it kind of makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I can't blame you there. And he's just been trickling the last four games. He has two goals and two assists. And if he can continue to maybe get a couple assists or a couple goals, he's going to be on bonus points as well. So I definitely like his prospects. I wouldn't go anywhere else on this Manchester United team. When you look at the attack, we don't know what's up with Martial. Big horse is there. Meh, pretty, pretty boring stay away. So I think it's really for a double game week, it's Rashford and Bruno as your double up and attack. And assuming you'll probably have Shaw or maybe somebody else in defense. Yeah, or De Gea, maybe. Uh, Keeping it moving, Rodrigo, he's a player already on your team, Brian, but he's a player that I've sung the praises of many episodes uh, previous to this. 6.4 million, 7.5% owned. His appeal right now is he's playing out of position as a striker, but I think with Bamford on the mend and seeming like he's building up to match fitness, that might not be long for his FPL appeal. And right now, he's just kind of an XG monster, similar to Darwin. He's not getting the returns you would expect for a player of his caliber. However, he does have double-digit goals this season. So we know he can do it. He's just not doing it right now. Yeah, I was pretty salty not to get that goal in the match uh, versus Villa, I believe, on last Friday. But happy to own him. And I think that he's also somebody that I'm eyeing to just move straight to Odegaard for double game week 23. If I can wait that long, I'm sure I'll continue to get punished. But um, you know, I, the reason I went for Rodrigo is they have 
a lot easier fixtures than Arsenal, but then the counter argument is Arsenal are the best team in the league. So um, I just keep keep putting that transfer off, but that's that's one I definitely will be eyeing up. Um, let's also talk about Mares. So Mares, 7.5 million, sub 5% own. He has really done a great job for Pep. He's come off the bench and scored, and then he's started all the other matches since the game week 17 World Cup break. So for Mares, man, I think a lot of managers might be tempted to grab him because of his form. But when double game week 23 comes around, I have no idea if he's going to start zero matches, one match, two match. It really is still very much Pep roulette. I think the more important thing is, is that Grealish, he looked a little shaky today, but I thought that uh, the just the fact that Foden has really been out of form and out of Pep's mind, that makes Mares much more appealing in the City side. Agreed, and Mares looked exceptional, probably City's best player today against Spurs. And the issue, I think, with Foden and Grealish is I expect that Alvarez is actually going to command more of a starting spot as we get later on in the season. Every time he plays and gets significant run out, he seems to put the ball in the back of the net. He was really good again today against Spurs. And there's just a lot of bodies fighting for not so many spots in midfield, kind of bookending Kevin De Bruyne. So I don't love that. And I wouldn't be wasting a free transfer to bring in Mares right now. He kind of missed his points in this double game week. Kind of just got to sit with that and wait to see what transpires in the cup games and in the remaining matches until we get to double game week 23, when he could become a player on the menu once again for FPL. I mean, I still cannot believe the transfer business that City did to not only get Holland, but also get Alvarez. Like, it's truly incredible. Like, this kid is now a World Cup winner. Yeah, they got all that goal-scoring talent for one Mudrich. It's kind of crazy to see (laughs) City are considered a plastic club because they have all this oil money, but consistently they do great transfer business and they they are top of the table from a transfer perspective and a recruiting perspective from big clubs. Uh, They really are exceptional at the game. Yeah. I really wish Chelsea were much more um, sound when it comes to their board of directors and also finding these gems and not paying, not breaking the piggy bank for them every time. Um, All right. Next up bucks. I think we should probably take a break. We'll come back with community questions and get out of here on our transfer plans and captain to see shouts BRB. Let's try and run through these community questions. Thank you, as always, to the amazing FPL community, to the members of our mini league, and to our loyal followers on Twitter. We love you all. Starting with Corey Cummings, he asks, since United seem to have a double game week likely in 22, are Shaw and Rashford enough, or would you recommend potentially going for a United triple up? We talked about this just a few minutes ago, but Bruno is definitely one to watch if they get the double game week announced. Everybody else I would probably stay away from. I'd be happy enough just to own Sean Rashford at their price points and anything else you would call out here, Bucks, for United? No, totally, totally agree. And I think that if you have Ederson, maybe you eye up De Gea, but uh, I think I'd much rather have Bruno Rashford and Shaw or DeLo, uh, as opposed to making and wasting a goalkeeper transfer. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I saw a lot of folks move the likes of Keppa, who scores a 10 pointer this game week, to Ederson, who <laughs> ends up with what, like three or four points total? Two points. Two points. Yeah. Yikes. Terrible. Terrible. So, don't don't do goalkeeper transfers. <laughs> yeah, you've you've taught me that in my uh, fledgling FPL career, and that's one rule that I am for sure taking to heart this season. Let's go to Clayton's question. He asks, for those of us who didn't triple captain Holland, when is the next best time to use the triple captain chip, or are we waiting for someone else? We touched on this a little earlier, but there are double game weeks confirmed for City in 23 as well as for Arsenal, I think Saka makes a lot of sense. Odegaard potentially makes a lot of sense. Holland and KDB might make a lot of sense. And then we talked about some other players yet to have confirmed double game weeks. Bruno, Rashford, Trippier. I think that's 
pretty much the list right now. Brian, you said Kane. I Spurs are putting me off. They are not getting enough chances for me to trust him with that powerful chip, but he is Mr. Consistent. So I think let's add Kane in there. The list is probably eight players deep uh, as we go and look at the triple captain chip. And if you want to have fun, do not captain a defender. It's just not as fun. You're not going to be rooting for these beautiful chances and goals, which we love. Instead, you'll be clenched, but um, very tight sphincter and just hoping that the deflected goal doesn't go in. So avoid that. And then KDB, I would not have on that list for triple captaincy. You want to go with the goal scores, somebody who could brace and get you a 16 pointer. And then all of a sudden you're flying and you got 48 points for your triple cap. So that's, that's what I would look at doing. And we just have to wait and see from the likes of Ben Krell and when we're going to have these double game weeks come up, but there's, there will be very, very large ones to come. And I think that the only other thing you have to keep in mind is when these large double game weeks get announced, you're always going to want to use your bench boost chip later in the season. So that's the only thing to keep in mind in terms of when you're going to use your triple captaincy chip. Yeah, and we'll for sure keep you posted, Clayton. So keep tuning in to the FPL Blues podcast for insights well in advance yes, of those double game weeks. PV has the next question, what to do with Mo Salah? Yeesh, how does this guy still have Mo Salah? I mean, he scored about as many points as KDB over the last three game weeks. So it's uh, it's crazy. I think all the good options, like some people are talking about pretty much, uh, I could move KDB and Salah to Solly March and Odegaard and just save like another 10 million. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's the kind of season that we're we're having right now. We haven't seen Liverpool find their form. They have a lot of injuries. Defense looks shaky. It's just all, you know, top to bottom is a rough go for Liverpool. And yet they're still kicking the shit out of Chelsea. And he does love to score against Chelsea. So I would probably just hold him and then, you know, hold him for a couple more game weeks and then consider, you know, Mo to Bruno for the double game of 22, Mo to KDB for double game of 23. These are all natural transfers in the middle. However, Liverpool are a team that could have double game week 22 as well with Chelsea and Wolves. So if that happens, you might want to keep Mo for a potential differential captaincy option. Let's keep oh, it going. Man, all, all these hypothetical doubles, it's just going to be a minus eight for me. I can already tell. I'm My brain keep... is melting just uh, keeping all the scenarios in, in order. Let's go to some of our Twitter followers, FPL Splurfeek. He asks for planning for double game week 23. Should he be prioritizing Mares or would you go with Martinelli or Saka from Arsenal? So I would assume in this case, he also has Odegaard already. I think Odegaard would be my number one target of those four midfielders for double game week 23. Again, Mares is in great form, but well, we've seen that happen before in Pep's side and then he just drops him like a bag of rocks. So I, I'm still a little wary about owning Mares and what that could lead to. Martinelli, definitely the third best choice in the midfield right now for Arsenal. I think Saka is somebody who is on pens. They haven't won many pens, surprisingly, throughout this season. So he could all, always crop up with a few easy goals and easy 10-point returns. So Odegaard, number one, Saka, number two, Mares number three, Martinelli, last out of that quartet. Okay, we're in total agreement there. I think Saka out of these three is the priority transfer. He's on penalties and he's nailed. So for me, that's enough. And right now, Arsenal, they're just doing the business. Like I said many times already throughout the course of this season, they're the best team for a reason. And Saka is at the heart of that. So he's be the player that I really want to get that I'm probably not going to be able to get for double game week 23. Next question comes from FPL Bollock. He asks, what to do with Miggy after three straight blankety blanks? Look, Miggy was on a huge hot streak. He was incredible for those games where Newcastle were seeing two to four goals consistently, but the attack from Newcastle has definitely subsided. His stats are way down, the opportunities, the chances. So we're seeing a lot of people just transition him off. He's at a good price point where you can go a lot of different ways, but I would move off of him. Yeah, the issue is really not what to do with Almiron, but do we do it this game week or next game week? I think that's really what's at question here for FPL Balak. And 
What I think of immediately is a great tweet by FPL Mario, which said that FPL is really just about switching lanes in bumper to bumper traffic because you'll switch lanes. And then all of a sudden the lane you left starts really buzzing forward and you're like, (laughs) oh shit, man, I just really screwed myself. And that's what Almiron has been like. And I feel like that's what it could become if you jump onto Solly March, Matoma, Nanto, you know, you're going to jump on these guys only for them to have one return and then start sputtering. And then you'll look back over and Almiron, they have great fixtures, Newcastle, and all of a sudden he's going to have a hot streak again. And you're going to be like, damn, why did I, why did I do that? Almiron was so good to me. So he's, he's a player that if I had the luxury of two free transfers, he would be on the chopping block for sure. But right now, as we approach some double game week uncertainty, FPL Bollock, I would probably hold your marbles, stay Almiron, stay the course. FPL Barrister, New York's finest lawyer, asks whether to roll his transfer this week or make a move and get Odegaard, a.k.a. Odegaard, one game week early. So Bucks versus a stifling United team who looks very much in form and is competing for a Champions League spot this year. Would you make the move to get Odegaard this week? So I actually asked this question on Twitter from our account, FPL Blues Podcast, shameless plug. I think the Casemiro yellow card suspension would make you think that Odegaard is likely going to have more freedom. But as we saw with Fred playing against KDB, I'm not sure that's the case. I think Fred is going to be magnetized to Odegaard this whole match. And I actually feel like Martinelli and Saka could be the chief beneficiaries from an FPL perspective of the chances because I think Fred is going to be singularly focused on shutting down Odegaard in the center, knowing that kind of his better lines mate Casemiro is missing in action. So the spotlight is really going to be on him. For that reason, I think I would skip, but I can understand why many in the FPL community, like FPL Barrister, who knows what he's doing, and he's way smarter than I am, uh, would be feeling this way. So I actually initially was all about this move, and I think I've cooled to it because ETH is a great manager, and he sees what's going on at Arsenal. So I think his focus is going to be to clamp down on Odegaard and not give him the freedom that United was so good at neutralizing with KDB at City. So that's my that's my uh, converted two cents here, Barrister. Yeah, and I feel like this could be a really chippy match where we could see Fred doing some voodoo, probably coming in for some hard tackles, knowing that he's not starting a lot of matches with Casemiro in the side. So I could see him really just trying to muck up the game a bit for the Arsenal midfield and maybe uh, go in for a few cheeky tackles that are borderline yellows. All right, let's wrap it up with Ankar Telekar. He's one of the OG NYC FPL meets organizers, and he asks what to do with Foden. Man, Foden has become a true bugaboo (laughs) for FPL managers. And even though they have a looming double game week and this really friendly looking fixture against Wolves, I think this Wolves match is the last chance saloon for Foden. If he doesn't get the start and let alone get at least 60 minutes of run in, Oh my God, I would be tempted to rash transfer him out like right as the game is still going if he comes off without a return. I think Foden is somebody who you would want to upgrade to Bruno. I think that's a a very possible, uh, you know, find another one and a half million or so. So I think that's a move where, like you said, Bucks, maybe roll the transfer and just hope he plays and starts versus Wolves. Maybe he does something, but that slot specifically is one that could become Bruno where you could take money else where from your side. So that's what I would do. Um, if you're not planning to get Bruno for the probably likely upcoming double, then just rip him out of your team. Now I have no faith in, in what he's done. And I, I believe in the talent so much, but it's just not happening uh, right now in the last 10 game weeks under pep. Ankar, you should love that. Cause I know you're a United fan. So, uh, Maybe one more game week of Foden Ah. and then say Bruno more and bring in Bruno. All right, let's end this podcast. Let's get to our transfer plans and captaincy shouts. I'm rolling, Bucks. I'm rolling. I'm also rolling. Uh, If I do make a move, I'm tempted by Almiron to Odegaard or Andreas to March. I actually think that March is playing much more advanced and I rate him over Matoma, which might be slightly differential uh, based on what I'm seeing on FPL Twitter. 
However, if I make any one of those moves, it will lock me out of making the other one in double game week 22 without taking a hit. And I really don't want to do that because I want to have full flexibility to know the doubles and attack 22 and 23 in a pragmatic way. So after going bucks wild for double game week 20, I'm going to be much more calm and collective, roll the free transfer, and I'm going to keep the armband on Holland, though Ivan Tony is a player that is staring me right in the face right now with the vice captain V next to his name. And I'm really, I was like looking at it late last night. I would love to get crazy and give him the captaincy over Holland, but I'm not going to get that crazy just yet. All right, Bucks. Thank you for wrapping that up. I think your team again is in great shape after you took your crazy minus eight and it get a really net positive score. Holland cap for me. And again, I would love to roll this transfer and then take a minus four and make three double game week moves. And so I would really recommend that to nearly anybody. You should have a deep playing bench if you need to maybe bench Foden or just roll the dice with him this game week or one of those types of risky players. There's no reason why you shouldn't have two free transfers going into 22. So that's it. Let's get out of here, Bucks. This was a long one. Good to see you. Good to pod. Green arrows. And if you haven't followed us already on Twitter, we're at FPL Blues Podcast. Please give us a follow. We're pushing to get 3,000 followers by the end of January. We'd love to hit that goal. And we're having a fun season and we're trying to make FPL fun. We're having a good time. We're just shooting the shit, throwing jokes around. And we hope you're enjoying listening to our little humble podcast. Thanks, everyone.